Alrighty, everyone. This is Lynn D with the Lynn D Plug, and I'm here with a special guest, a very good friend of mine. We met in Houston, Texas, by the way of Brittany Hicks. Shout out to Brittany Hicks. That's my girl. But this is Brittany Hamilton, and we are going to let her introduce herself. So, Brittany, tell us a little bit about yourself before we dive into, like, the meat of you. This is Brittany Hamilton. (laughs) Um, As Lynn said, we met in Houston. Um, Along the way, I became her trusted accountant, and... Here I am now. I'm in. I'm out of Atlanta now, but um, what we did meet in Houston. All righty, Britt. So, <clears throat> tell us a little bit about your background, meaning like where are you from? And let me just put a little um, disclaimer out here. We want to give a shout out to Cheddar, and that's him in the background. <laughs> Cheddy, as I would call him back in the day. That's Brittany's dog. No, he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm from Raleigh. Um, born and raised, I went to Raleigh, North Carolina. I went to school at North Carolina A&T, where I majored in accounting. Um, and then after undergrad, I went to grad school in Texas at Texas A&M. Um, and then after that, I started working. Awesome. So I didn't even know that about Texas A&M. I had I didn't know that. How did you not know that? I just thought you were in Houston for work. Well, okay, so I, so at A&T, I did my internship in Houston with PwC, and I liked it, so I decided to come back, Mm -hmm. so that's why I ended up going to Texas A&M for grad school, because it's close to Houston, Um, and then after I finished grad school, then I started working in Houston, so, yeah. Did you have to travel back and forth, or did you do, like, an online program? Travel back and forth where? With Texas A&M. Oh, well, unfortunately, no. Oh, okay. I was living in College Station. <laughs> you were? For a year, yeah. Oh. So, yeah, so 2009, I started grad school, so I was there. It was two, what, two two semesters in the summer. Oh. So, um, so yeah, so I finished it up in a year, finished the, the course, in, I mean, the, the degree in a year. Did you get one of those class rings? Like everybody who graduated from Texas A&M have to have like these prize like class rings. No, ma'am. No. Okay. It's not that, <laughs> it's not that deep. Um, I think I could have, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I feel like that's more of like an undergraduate tradition and they, you know, they look forward to being able to get the ring. Mm-hmm. It's like ridiculously expensive. So, and I did not have any money. <laughs> so, um, that wasn't that exciting for me. Um, yeah, so I literally was just there to get my 150 hours so I could sit for the CPA. Amen. <laughs> get those hours. Okay, so tell me, since you went to A&T, North Carolina A&T, um, what led you, like, what were some, I guess, events or things that led you to wanting to go to A&T? Um, well, I already had... Multiple family members, actually, that went there. So, I mean, it was always on my radar growing up. Um, But particularly, once I decided that I wanted to major in accounting, A&T has, like, one of the leading, if not the leading, accounting program for for black students. So, um, at the time that I was there, the dean of the business school was um, Dean Craig. Mm -hmm. And um, he's just really a a big name um in accounting especially in 
the world of black accountants. So um, he got the business school accredited in the 70s, um, which was a big accomplishment. And um, for a while, it was one of the few HBCUs that had an accredited business school. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was really the main reason why I wanted to go there. Um, And then, you know, once I decided I wanted to go to HBCU, A&T was really the best option for me. Sure, sure. And then on top of that, they gave me a scholarship. Amen. So. <laughs> yes, for this money. If you guys don't see the 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 constant trend, Brittany don't play about the dough, okay? <laughs> don't play about that money. Yeah, so that made the decision easy. Okay. So what made you select accounting opposed to any other major? Um, so my mom suggested it to me. In the beginning of high school, I was actually thinking about majoring in chemical engineering. Ooh. Um, which probably would have led me to A&T as well. Mm-hmm. Shout out to A&T. <laughs> um, but she suggested accounting to me and I looked into it. Um, it seemed interesting. So I just went with it and I ended up liking it. So here we are today. So what are some things that you did while you were at A&T to, um, I guess, move your experience in accounting forward? internships or any jobs or um so I had a couple of summer internships um and I was also involved with Beta Alpha Psi which is um uh an honors fraternity for for accounting majors accounting and finance majors um prior to you have to be I think like a junior to join Beta Alpha Psi prior to that I was in an organization called Alabium and that stands for Accounting, the Language of Business, the Eyes and Ears of Management. And it was kind of a organization that kind of fed into Beta Alpha Psi, but it, freshmen and sophomores could join that. So um, so we held different programs and, and things where businesses would come and speak to students just to give the business school students um, exposure to different companies and things like that. Um, resume writing seminars. Um, uh, interviews interviewing skills seminars those type of things mm-hmm. um so those are probably the two main organ business business school organizations that I was involved in mm-hmm. so you know that kind of gave me exposure to a lot of the recruiters and things like that to help to to make getting an internship a little bit easier mm-hmm. um but just overall the business school a and t they really put their students in a position where um they can take advantage of a lot of different opportunities. Um, really, you know, if you're there and you want an internship, you can get one. You know, the, the professors, Dean Craig, um, and even the Office of Career Services, all of them make it very easy for, for students to, to kind of take advantage of those different opportunities. Cool. So <laughs> anything that happened, like, that was pivotal, like any internship that – was pivotal to like your progression where you like, Oh my God, I'm so happy I landed this internship. And, um, I wouldn't say necessarily pivotal. I think that once I got there, I saw a certain path that I wanted to take. Mm -hmm. Um, so I went into, so I started working. I, my second internship was with PwC (laughs) PricewaterhouseCoopers. So that's one of the big four accounting firms. Um, so after I, you know, in that internship, it wasn't, I wouldn't say that it was pivotal. I don't think it was life-changing. Yeah. But 
I knew that I wanted to, after I got out of school, I wanted to start my career at one of the big four, um, just because it lays a good foundation for wherever you want to go in your career, whether, you know, so I started out in external auditing. Mm -hmm. So that's basically, um, and you have different public companies that are traded on the stock stock exchange, (coughs) their, um, Financials have to be audited by an external foreign firm, usually a, a one of the big four, um, in order to make sure that everything is accurate and that investors can trust in the numbers that are released to the public. Um, so that's what our role was. Um, and in that type of position, you're exposed to all different facets of the accounting department. And, um, you know, it's a little bit different than starting out working in an industry accounting position because in that circumstance you would just be kind of not necessarily pigeonholed but you may just be looking at one part of the company's books as as opposed to looking at their books as a whole and understanding the company as a whole so external auditing kind of gives you the opportunity to do that Um, and then it also allows you you know if you do want to move into industry and work for a specific company as opposed to a a public accounting firm um, you can make connections and move over a little bit easier and also probably at a higher position so we just around and then also in public accounting, they push for you to get your CPA uh-huh. um, you, in order to progress um, and advance in the company. You're going to have to have your CPA. So, um, you know, it was just a good fit for what I wanted to do. Um, and I think it was a good, you know, a good, it laid a good foundation. It wasn't somewhere that I wanted to spend my entire career because yeah. it is can be very stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad that I started there and I, you know, wouldn't trade those years for anything. So if you can, well, before I ask that question, um, in order for you to be an accountant, do you have to have your CPA or is it just highly suggested? You don't have to. Oh, oh okay. Um, but it is as far as, especially if you're going to be working for, or really both, you know, if you're, go, if you're working for a company or if you're working for yourself, having a CPA just gives you extra credibility. Sure. Um, because you have to... You have to pass a four-part exam and um, just have certain knowledge and skills in order to pass that exam. So, and, you know, no matter what state you're certified in, everyone takes the same examination. So when someone sees CPA behind your name, they know that you have certain knowledge, certain um, certain skills, and certain credibility. Um, and, you know, when you're working for someone else, that could end up meaning maybe a higher salary, more negotiating power, that type of thing. Hmm. So if you can give advice to maybe like that college student right now who is in school and they're like, I'm an accounting major, what should I do? Or what can set me apart from everyone else? What are some suggestions you would give them for like a good roadmap? I would say um, not to overstress yourself with, trying to land the perfect job um I would say definitely you know if accounting is what you want to do it's not just a stepping stone to something else I would definitely say make getting your CPA a priority um you know if you do that you know the job that you 
think you want or that you know that you want is probably going to come to you or be available to you once you get that CPA. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say that is priority number one. Um, You know, if you're in college, I would say participating in a lot of the different events where you can expose yourself to different companies that come onto campus is important to build those connections and build those relationships. Um, You know, even if you even if you meet someone from a company and develop a relationship but don't end up going to that company, you never know when that relationship could come come in hand. Right. You know, come in, um, you know, be um, helpful to you down the road. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I, I think that's probably the most important thing, just making relationships and then making a plan to get your CPA finished. Okay. All right, so you guys heard that out there. Make sure network. Build on your networking relationships. Something real big that I do, especially for those um, relationships that you build, even like at an early quote unquote age or early part of your career, is to send out like an annual card or give them a phone call or just, you know, pop in like, hey, how you doing? Um, So that they always know that, you know, you're I'm here and this is the relationship I want to keep. And just I, I think that part is very, very important. So coming out of school, Brittany, what were some job offers that you received? So for me, since I did my internship at PwC, um, you know, after I finished that internship, I had a full-time offer. I just had to um, finish grad school. So that was the only physical offer that I got. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's fine because that's the offer that I wanted. (laughs) So um, a lot of people have to spend, you know, senior year interviewing and things like that. But I didn't really have to because I already had a plan. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, so PwC was it. Mm. Awesome. Alrighty. So let me see. Um, Let's talk about your business. What led you to start your business? First of all, shout out to Brittany's business because (laughs) it saves lives and we don't like the color orange and we don't like to be in jail so we're happy to have her but tell us about your business and what led you to start um so i'm the owner of bunny hamilton llc i provide um, bookkeeping and tax services to individuals and small businesses and um the main reason i started was or what led me to start it after i left pwc i had a lot of free time <laughs> in January through March uh, while I was at PwC working as an external auditor January to March was my busy season so I wasn't doing anything but working um so the first um the first winter after I left PwC um I had a friend tell me you know you should really start doing taxes and make some extra money on the side so I took the plunge and started my business so this was in 2014 and um you know I've enjoyed it since then you know it's nice to just be able to kind of take control of your own income and create income you know as you need it and um you know I'm I'm excited and I'm happy that I did it and I'm excited that you did it too because <laughs> I needed every step of the way <laughs> so what I want to um kind of focus on right now is you know here we are it's tax season we're in January but you know people tend to like rush like oh my god you know it's tax season what do I do what are some things that people who own businesses could do throughout the whole year to set them up for this point 
Um, so I think the most important thing, if you own a business, is to have um, a good book- bookkeeping system in place so that you're keeping track of things throughout the year and you're not waiting until the end of the year to figure out what happened. Um, you know, for myself, all of my... Um, all of my income and expenses is recorded throughout the year. So at the end of the year, I literally just run a report and transfer that over into my tax return. So it's not a headache. It's not a pain. You know, all the information is there. So I think that's the most important thing, just being organized and keeping track of everything. Okay. Now, what about for the individuals who don't have a business? I mean, they're corporate America gurus or they... Um you know, work a nine to five, what should they do to prepare for the tax season? Um, So if you don't have a business, then, you know, you have your W-2. So hopefully enough taxes have been taken out throughout the year. Um, And, you know, you have your W-2. If you own a home, you can probably itemize. So you have your um, your mortgage interest, your property taxes, you know, a lot of the information in this day and age is easy to get to, um, particularly your, um, your home information, because they send you a statement in the mail. Um, as far as other itemized expenses, so medical expenses, um, charity donations, all of that. I mean, just like if you have a business, it just comes down to being organized. You know, if you make a donation to charity, you know, maybe make it from an account that you know is only for charity and so that you can easily keep track of all those expenses. Or if you give something to Goodwill, have a place where you keep all of your Goodwill expenses. Um, And something, you know, particular to Goodwill, you know, now they just give you a receipt with a time and date. They're not going to list everything that you have. So that's something that, you know, if you make a donation to Goodwill, maybe staple to that receipt a list of everything that you donated and how much, you know, the value of those items are. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's really just being organized and being detailed. Um, it's, you know, it's not going to take a lot of detail. It just takes a little bit of effort, just keeping receipts and that type of thing. Okay. And I, you know, I had a question, um, cause I struggle with this every time it's time for me to do a new job. I don't know why I can't have this embedded in my mind Cla- between claiming one and claiming zero. Like if you, do- if you claim zero, like all, tax deduction i mean all anything that's associated with tax will be uh taken out of your check yeah so when you so when you're setting up your your exemptions for federal and state um so zero means that you're not claiming anything therefore they're going to take out the maximum amount maximum amount of taxes from your check based on whatever your income is um, and then the more exemptions, exemptions you claim, the less they will take out of your check. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people will try to take the maximum number of exemptions just so they can, so that their check is the largest amount. But if you don't have enough to claim at the end of the year on your actual tax return, that could result in you owing money. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I usually advise people to take you know if you're single and you don't have a home i would say take zero to one exemptions um if you have a home maybe two if you're married and if you're married i would say two if you're married and have a home maybe three um but really you know sometimes you just have to look at you know, if I'm if I'm advising a specific person, I would look at what their income is, how much they're, che- you know, each how how often they're getting paid. Because if you're getting paid twice a month versus every two weeks, it can be a little bit different. Um, so, 
you kind of have to look at every situation a little bit different, but the general guidelines are if you're single, I would say zero to one, married two to three. If you have a kid, you can maybe throw in another one. So Mm -hmm. it really depends on the situation. So, you know, if you don't know, I would say ask someone to. (laughs) I would say ask someone. Um, You can figure out, you know, how much tax is going to eat. There are different paycheck calculators on the internet. You can go and kind of figure out what would happen if you change your exemptions and kind of estimate how much tax would be taken out for the entire year and then compare that to your past tax returns to see if that, if, you know, if I change my exemption to this and I have this amount of tax for the whole year, you know, compared to prior years, am I going to owe? Is this going to be enough tax or should I you know, make some changes? Mm-hmm. So it's just, you know, it comes down to proper planning and, you know, waiting until now to figure it out isn't going to work because the year is over right. and whatever happened, happened. So. Mm-hmm. so this is a good opportunity for you to start now for for 2017 right yeah yeah so that's what i tell people you can we can change something for 2017 but i can't can't help what happened for 2016 other than to tell you what you're gonna owe (laughs) what your refund is gonna be hashtag lesson learned (laughs) but what i will do is get the resources from Brittany in reference to those um pay calculators and put those in the show notes so that you'll have um some of those resources but um, <clears throat> aside from uh, bookkeeping and account services, um, what other services you um, provide with your business? Uh, do you talk to entrepreneurs throughout the year? I know like they have to file like quarterly. Um, is it like a quarterly tax something or? Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of rolled it all into tax services. So depending on um, what your business is or what, what products or services that you provide, you know, you may owe, um, you may have to pay state sales tax or remit state sales tax to the, to whatever state that you're operating out of. Um, and then if, if you are, you know, so if you have a business, whether you're, you have a part-time business or if you're working in your business full-time, especially if you're working full-time, you'll have to make quarterly tax payments to the IRS. Um, because if you're self-employed, there's no one taking taxes out of your check every month as you know, compared to if you're working for a company. Um, so in order to avoid any penalties at the end of the year, you have to make quarterly tax prepayments. Um, so for my clients that I do bookkeeping for, I usually um, also coordinate their quarterly tax prepayments as well, based on whatever, whatever their income is or whatever their, their situation is for that quarter. Okay, so, and then what about the people who have a full-time job and they have a side hustle, okay? Like, like I'll give an example with um, one of my good friends, Jasmine. So, Jasmine works full-time and she does testing on the side. What is, like, what do they need to do? So, it really depends what the breakout is between the income that is coming from an employer where payroll taxes are being taken out and the income that they have as an independent contractor, essentially. So if you're getting a 1099, so a 1099 miscellaneous, 1099-MISC, um, with a box seven filled out, that means that you're an independent contractor. And that means that income has been reported to the IRS that has not been taxed at all. So the IRS is going to expect to see that on your tax return as self-employed income. And if you have self-employed income you owe self-employment tax, which is essentially FICA and Medicare tax. 
Um, so that's in addition to your regular income tax. Um, because when you have, when you work for an employer and they take payroll taxes out of your check, they're taking income tax, they're taking FICA, and they're taking Medicare. So self-employed people have to pay FICA and Medicare themselves when they file their tax return. Um, or it's the final calculation is when they file their tax return. So your prepayments during the year are to pay the income tax, FICA, and Medicare. So a lot of people, when they have this self-employed income or 1099 income that isn't being taxed throughout the year, they just kind of, you know, they don't really think about the fact that they need to be paying taxes on it. Right. Um, so at the end of the year, it kind of sneaks up on you. So, you know, if you're getting, so the requirement for reporting it, well, the requirement for a 1099 to be filed is $700, but really any income that you receive that fits into that category should be reported to the IRS. Um, so as far as, the, as far as planning for that from a tax perspective, you have to look at how much you're making in your regular job and how much you're making on the side. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes if you're not making that much on the side, mm -hmm. then the taxes that are withheld from your check may cover that but if you're claiming four or five exemptions on your check right on your payroll i mean on your um yeah on your on the check from your employer then that means that they're that the irs isn't taking a lot of taxes out of your check mm -hmm. therefore it may not be enough to cover your extra income uh, so that's another thing that you have to think about when you're planning so if you have another if you have a side hustle then maybe you and you have another and you have a main job then maybe you should move your exemptions down to zero so mm -hmm. that the maximum amount of taxes are being taken out of your check and that way it may balance out but there's no way to know for sure until you really look at the numbers and you know and crunch them and figure out what what makes the most sense for your situation and that's why I highly suggest that you talk to a CPA because you don't want to figure all this by yourself, figure this all out by yourself if you don't know what you're doing. Like, I know when I had a business that was on the side, I didn't know what I was doing. And when you don't know what you don't know, you could land your tail someplace you don't want to be. So I'm just saying that's a little commercial. Shout out to Brittany and her business, Boney Hamilton. I would call her. I'm just saying. So, what about the the students? What do this? What do students, uh, like college students, do they have to even worry about income tax? Um, say I mean, for instance, it, it. I mean, that depends. I mean, when I was in college, I didn't file taxes mm -hmm. because I didn't have enough income. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it depends on. I mean, but there are some students that are in school and working full time jobs oh, mm -hmm. or part time jobs where they're making enough you know, making over the, the threshold for filing. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yes, yeah, so, I mean, it really just varies. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that if you're in school and you're not working and you just have like maybe a scholarship, but that scholarship just covers your tuition and expenses, you don't, you don't need to file anything. Okay. No one's going to come after you. Okay. Cool. <laughs> All right. Y'all are safe. You know, a safe haven right there. Um, what about different states, Brittany? What different states do you, um, uh, work with uh, meaning like for instance I live in Florida I know you work with me um, and then when I was living in Texas and all that other stuff you know you worked with me with you being there or not so do you cover all 50 states like if somebody heard this podcast today and they're like in Hawaii or Alaska or something and they're mm -hmm. like oh my god I want to I want to check out Brittany do you do you cover do you work with them <laughs> yeah so yeah I can I can work with anyone pretty much anywhere oh good so yeah 
Do you feel like the U.S. territories, if somebody from Puerto Rico call you? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Oh. But nobody, like, international, like, nobody from Europe can call you, right? Yeah, I wouldn't, I, I, I haven't, I haven't had any international <laughs> clients, but if you're a U.S. citizen that's working abroad, then yeah, I can help you. Oh, neat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because you still have to file, you know, American tax returns. Okay. Um, what about, okay, so any gems you want to share, Brittany, pertaining to, you know, personal growth, growth or, or anything with accounting that, you know, you, you know that you need to share, like anything? Um, I would say that I think it's important for everyone, I guess this is kind of, well, it's kind of accounting, it's kind of personal growth. Um, I would, you know, just in general, I feel like a lot of Americans are in debt. Mm. Um, so I think it's very important as Americans, especially compared to the rest of the world to Mm -hmm. really budget and start living within our means. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of people don't really like thinking about the details of their finances and things like that, but I think it's really important to kind of really develop a budget and stick to it. And it's probably going to make your life a lot easier. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's great to really know where your money is going. Um, I think once you know that, it may change a lot of your behaviors. Absolutely. Um, and probably kind of de-stress your life. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's the only thing that I can do. That is actually a very good gem because I even had to do the same for myself, especially this year. Like, I really set out, wrote out my payments and, like, how much I get paid and where money goes. Like, where actually is supposed to go mm-hmm. and the net amount of money that I saw that's either sitting around or I'm blowing mm-hmm. for no apparent reason I was just like okay no this can't be life right now like I could be doing so much more if I just had all my right. ducks in a row I know that you took time off from the America American <laughs> nine to five and I was so freaking jealous you were like deuces I'm getting on a plane goodbye Tell me about that experience, and did that also open your eyes to the fact that as Americans, we are like splurge city? Yeah, um, so I definitely think that um, my time abroad has really, you know, shone a light on the fact that Americans spend a lot of money on a lot of like random things. Um, so it's kind of, I don't know. It was just very interesting. Um, you know, when I was in Panama, I was in a Spanish class with a lot of other students, you know, really from all over from mostly from Europe. Um, one girl from New Zealand. Um, yeah. So I think, I think it was just Europe and New Zealand. And, you know, the amount of debt that Americans have is just, like, really, like, like inconceivable to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I feel like it's, you know, some, some things can, we can't help. So, I mean, as soon as we get out of school, the majority of people are in debt mm-hmm. from school. Right. Um, which is very different in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of places over there, they go to college for free. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can't really understand, like, someone leaving school and having a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt Mm -hmm. or more if they you know went to medical school um or something like that or law school or anything like that um so I think that was one thing just the difference in how they look at debt and 
you know, um, and how they, they don't really accumulate debt the way that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also things were just so cheap everywhere else. And I can't <laughs> figure out why, like it's the same, it's the same food. It's the same apple or chicken, but <laughs> it's, you know, half the price. Right. Um, so that was very interesting. Well, and that also depended on where you were. So mm-hmm. this is mostly in Southern Europe, you know, in Northern Europe, things are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So the UK, when I was there, um, I unfortunately was there a week before the Brexit vote. The pound was quite strong against the dollar. Mm-hmm. And then of course, after the vote, everything kind of went, you know, a little downhill, but, um, so it was amazing to me how expensive things were in London compared to Madrid or Barcelona, things were a lot cheaper there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the same in in Germany and Amsterdam, things were a lot cheaper there as compared to um, some of the southern countries in in um, in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then just people there seemed a lot more open mm-hmm. than I think Americans are or can be sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of interesting. Um, do you feel like they were happier even though they didn't have much or yeah like particularly in Spain Spain's economic situation is you know a lot worse than what Americans America's is and they're just you know they're not they don't really seem as stressed out Mm -hmm. work isn't very you know in America I feel like work is so important and people you know build their lives around their job yeah but you know i don't feel like it's the same in spain i spent about a month in spain and just everything is just so laid back i really loved it and that's interesting that you said that i was listening to a podcast and that's um that's something that was mentioned shout out to my leak with the my taught you podcast i love her podcast but um one thing that was mentioned was that we tend to become our jobs or become our careers. We're not, like, it's not Lynn Dorville. It's like Lynn Dorville, the health administrator. You know, like, you have to add in this additional Mm -hmm. adjective or noun or whatever to, to elevate yourself, to make you more or less or whatever you want to call it. Um, This, like this different human being instead of it being just a part of you this is my job like you know this is just what I do but it's more to me yeah I agree and um you know now that you say that something that I that I feel like I hear all the time when I'm in America and I'm meeting new people is you know after you know what's your name it's what do you do Mm -hmm. and you know when I was over there I don't really remember a lot of people asking me what I did Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. what my job was Mm -hmm. or all that type stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's interesting. I think people do that for like stake of life. Like, you know, this is what you do. How can you help me? Or this is what you do. How could I attach this to my status or whatever? Right. Me personally, I like to ask people what they do to help other people out. Like that's all, that's, that's the only reason why I want to know what you do. Okay. You are a, say for instance, Brittany is an accountant. Oh my goodness. You know, I know some people who definitely going to need you, mm-hmm. you know, not even on some, oh my God. Yeah. I'm with Brittany from Atlanta and she is a CPA, like the best ever. Like it's not a status thing, you know, but if we get more involved with like helping each other out and utilize those resources for that, then I think that's good. But 
that's not what people do, but that's neither here nor there. Let me get off my soapbox about that. (laughs) (laughs) So Brittany, what are some quotes that you live by? Um, it's kind of a tough question. (laughs) Um, I think the only one that really comes to mind is, um, probably the golden rule. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think it's, you know, just treat other people how you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. I think that's, probably the best thing to live by yeah yeah um but yeah i don't know any others okay yeah. cool what about any book recommendations on accounting or per- personal growth um so not necessarily accounting but i did just complete this training um this influencer training mm-hmm. um and there's this book called let me pull up the name it's a long name <laughs> i want to make sure that i get it right um, it is called, um, influencer, the new science of leading change. Mm-hmm. So it basically just kind of identifies, um, six sources of change and six sources of kind of like how to influence people to do something that you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really interesting. I like it mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the training was great. Um, but yeah, so look it up, check it out. Is it like a, um, is it like a uh, like a course kind of book? Do you sit there? I mean, will you be highlighting? I mean, it has different it has different modules, but the book is mainly a lot of examples of how different people across the world have influenced change in different in different ways. So mm-hmm. one is um, I don't I don't know I don't remember what country in Africa it was, but there was this um, parasitic worm that was living in the water, um, the main water source of this African village. Um, and some people from outside of the village came in, like it was from like a, like maybe the world health organization or something like that came in and kind of changed the way the people operated in the village to prevent people getting infected from this parasite. Oh. Cause it's kind of like, it was the main water source is where they got their water from is where they bathed and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, they kind of implemented different protocols in the village to, um, prevent people from using, from taking water from that source. Like mm-hmm. you could dump things into that source, but not necessarily take things from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of developed a protocol for the people to follow and, identified ways to encourage them to continue following it after there wasn't someone there like watching them Mm because I think the biggest thing is like true change is change that kind of perpetuates itself that exists even if you don't have like someone from the outside monitoring to make sure that you're doing x y and z Mm -hmm. um so it was just really interesting and now that village is I believe is 100% free from any infections from that that parasite Mm -hmm. yeah I like that true change happens when, you know, no one is like looking like I think about like myself as far as work, you know, if you have a group of individuals that you're responsible for, you expect for operations to work as is like, I don't want to be there hovering over you like a dictator or, you know, like a tyrant, like, okay, so are you doing this? Are you picking up this? And we want that flow for ourselves on a day to day. So in order for that to happen, there has to be the change agent. And then of course, like, I feel like people need to, to kind of absorb that change and to run with it. Like, I don't want to be around like, Oh my God, please. Did you pick up this? Did you do that? Mm -hmm. So I really like that. I think that's, um, 
very strong, a strong message. Uh, Brittany, where did you, what all places did you go when you took your break? I went to, okay. <laughs> I went, I started in Panama. I went to Col- Cartagena, Colombia, um, London, Paris, Madrid, Barcelona, um, Barcelona, Pisa, Florence, Rome, did I say Madrid? I said Mm -hmm. Madrid. Um, Rome, (laughs) Sevilla, um, Granada, Cordoba, um, Cadiz, uh, Lisbon, Marseille, Amsterdam, Prague, Berlin, um, Athens, and Santorini. Okay. (laughs) And how long of a time frame? Four months. Wow. Yeah. And you, because I remember this, guys. This is before I left Houston, and we were all kind of like doing this whole mass Houston exit, like the crew of us. Um, what did you do to prepare? Did you budget? Did you? Yeah, I think I saved money for like two years, something like that. Um, so that I could, you know, take care of any like remaining bills that I had at home. Um, I rented my house so I didn't have to worry about my mortgage, but, um, you know, you know, things like, um, you know, insurance, student loans, that type of thing. So I had to save money for that. Um, And then as far as lodging while I was traveling, so air travel, it wasn't that expensive. I had a lot of points for points and miles for my credit card. So I didn't have to, so I probably, I think I spent maybe $700 total on all the air travel. Wow. And then, um, and then the lodging, used a lot of Airbnbs. Mm Um. I think I stayed in one or two hostels, but it was like wasn't like hostels like with like twelve beds and stuff in the room. I I couldn't do that. <laughs> um, it was more like you know they have some small hostels where you can have a private room, private mm-hmm. bathroom. So I stayed in some of those. But yeah, so it took a long time. I was planning for two years, but I think that's actually phenomenal because not only what was everything planned out. And you stayed on the budget, right? More, more or less. Okay. Yeah. So I had, I had money when I got back. That was the goal. That's all that matters. <laughs> exactly. That's all that matters. But what I loved about that is that you saved for that. I don't know how many of us want this instant gratification. Everybody want to do it on the gram. Everyone wants to, you know, have these phenomenal experiences. But you want them right here, right now. And the fact that you had money and a plan, like, even after the fact, I mean, because how long it took for you to land a job back here and everything? Um, I had an interview, like, the week that I got back. See, guys, uh, y'all... And that was was a follow-up interview, so I had phone interviews while I was traveling. Right. So I I was... So within a month after I... A month and a half after I got back, I was working. Okay, guys. I don't know if you understand, like, how dynamic that is. Get your lives, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> there is no reason why we have to have instant gratification. And when you do plan and get everything, all your ducks in a row, you can still have an excellent time, do everything that you want to do, and be 
savvy enough to be ready to go when you get back. So aside from the the Spanish school, was there any were there any additional um, educational items that you did or cultural? No, the rest of it was really just traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't anything like organized that I did after the after Panama. So okay. in Panama, I was in Panama for a month at a school. Okay. Um, but after that, it was just floating. Mm-hmm. Do you want to share anything with us in Spanish? <laughs> <laughs> Looks like a no, guys. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm still, so while I was gone, so one of my goals was to improve my Spanish, and I have absolutely improved my reading and writing Spanish. Um, So listening and speaking is still still a work in progress. Um, But um, but I'm planning on taking, now that I've I've moved to Atlanta, so I'm planning on trying to find... um, I don't know where the Spanish people are in Atlanta. I gotta go a little bit out, but (laughs) (laughs) that real life experience. I don't know. (laughs) So, plan on volunteering, trying trying to interact with some Spanish speaking people Mm -hmm. here in Atlanta, Um, and then also maybe taking some type of conversational class or something like that to continue that journey. But I've been watching um, great recommendation on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a miniseries called um Celia uh it's about Celia Cruz oh it's an Afro-Cuban singer it's mm-hmm. super popular mm-hmm. um so I've been watching that and that's been really helping me with my listening so it's in Spanish it's in Spanish wow okay so I usually watch it in Spanish with Spanish subtitles mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and I can understand everything that they're saying as I'm reading mm-hmm. but I'm just trying to work on actually listening um, and then Cubans, they have like one of the hardest dialects to understand because mm-hmm. they drop S's and it's, it's a, uh, it's very difficult, mm-hmm. but I like it. Yeah. So when I was in school, that's the kind of Spanish that we were learning coming from Miami. Oh yeah. 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 So, so you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. So I'm so excited that you shared all this information. I feel like this whole podcast was like a lot of gems. So One thing that I want to make a constant mantra is to share, because we all went to college, but what are two things that you learned outside of college that you would like to share? Like, what did you learn in college that you can share with us today? Two things. Well, one thing is college is like the best time ever. 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 Um, I mean, for usually. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know some people have a lot of responsibilities in college, but I had none. So it was amazing. Yeah. And um, I wish I could go back to just not having to worry about bills and, I don't know, retirement. Mm -hmm. Like, I have to save for retirement now. I didn't (laughs) have to think about that when I was in college. Right. Um, So, yeah, I would say the one one thing is, one thing that I learned was that college was amazing and I want to go back. (laughs) Another thing is, and probably something that I've learned more recently is that life is not all about work like there are so many other things in life to enjoy and to do and you know I feel like in college you're always you want to be like a full adult you want to get a job and start making money and all of that type of thing but you know it's really just not the most important thing Um, I think family friends and just enjoying you know your existence 
is the most important thing. Wow. I really like that last one. Um, so, Brittany, can you share with us? Well, let me know, first of all, do you want to share your blog? Like, the blog that you had while you were traveling? Oh, sure. Yeah. It's, it's curlsabroad.com. And then there's also and my Instagram for the related to the blog is also curlsabroad. Okay, and I'll put that in the show notes. And then give us your um, website for Boney Hamilton. And then that's BoneyHamilton.com, B-O-N-E-Y, Hamilton.com. Awesome. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for doing this podcast with me. You're you are actually my first interview ever. I'm so honored. Thank you. And I'm glad you said yes. I was in Tallahassee like, oh, my God, I'm coming to Atlanta, and I want Brittany to do my interview. <laughs> and it was, guys, it's so amazing when you have good relationships with people. It was a text message and a yes. So <laughs> foster those relationships, and they'll pay off in the end. But this is Lindy with the Lindy plug, and I'm just happy that you all could hear this interview with um, Brittany Hamilton. So I'll see you guys next time.